This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to Short Shifts, and I'm welcoming myself back, Lewis. It's so good to be back on the bench with you after missing out on Thursday's record, but I will say I very much enjoyed the experience of waking up to a new episode of Short Shifts. So thank you, and and thank Elon for pinch hitting for me. Yeah, he really stepped up and hit it out of the park for us. So yeah, thank you, Elon. That was a ton of fun getting to record uh, last Thursday for the show that came out on Friday. Uh, really enjoyable. And then, of course, man, they they killed it on the mega show, uh, running down all of these hot streaks. You know, we'll have to find a, another topic for ourselves here today. Good thing uh, nothing newsworthy happened since Sunday in the NHL, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And before we do get into the postponement, the COVID postponements in the Canadian division, I do just want to mention, I'm glad Elon, you know, got in, got to got to experience the the uh, intensity of the short shift and having to censor yourself down to 20 minutes. But of course, let's get going. We will talk about Montreal, where four games, uh, Montreal had a triple off night schedule, including Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. Uh, and now they have no games because Yasperi Kodkaniemi and Yoel Armia hit the COVID list yesterday on Monday. Um, this is going to be a big impact for anybody with Edmonton because that means three games for Edmonton, including Monday night, have been canceled. And there will be an Ottawa game on Sunday that is canceled. Huge bummer. And especially at this time of the season, Lewis, most leagues have two, maybe three weeks left to make the playoffs. Are you getting skittish? Are you dropping any habs in any of your leagues? So I'm not going to drop anyone who I know is like a for sure roster player that I want to have around. Um, you know, I think Armia probably is on the bubble there and might be a guy that I'd be willing to let go. I know he's been really good since the coaching change. Um, you know, I, I think like what Gallagher, Suzuki, Toffoli, um, uh, Anderson probably are all worth holding on to. Uh, the D-men, uh, especially Petrie, obviously worth holding on to. But yeah, I think some of those other bubbly waiver wire guys uh, might be worth worth having a drop here unless you really think you can survive you know a full week of your your montreal players out it would be a stream agami if it weren't for such a busy monday night that we had i think they covered the uh specific nomenclature that we've got to use for this particular montreal night because monday was the busy night it can't count as a stream agami for us that is exactly true. Lewis, you mentioned uh, Josh Anderson, and that's the player I was going to ask you about specifically. I know you have him in the cupful. I know you have a must-win matchup, but you're saying that you're going to hold on, eh? 
That's correct. I'm going to try and hang on there. It does affect my judgment somewhat that uh, my opponent has Tyson Berry and is going to be missing him for uh, a couple games there. So really, it's just one game advantage that he'll get out of it. Um, so that that is weighed on my thinking a little bit. We'll see if, you know, come Friday, if things are getting really desperate, if I need to make a move. But I've got other players that I can move around potentially as well. All right, well, let's hop into the injuries and outries section here because we have a ton to get to. First of all, in Florida, where just before puck drop, we learned Alexander Barkov was coming off the ice uh, and he is missing tonight's game. In his place, Noel Achari has taken over on the top line between Carter Verhage and Anthony Duclair. Huge bummer for uh, for Barkov owners like myself, who was desperately depending on his start tonight as I go up against Elon in tier one of the cupful. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that you're talking about me having a must-win week and you're uh, in a little bit better of a position, but I would say, at least for your um, you know pride standpoint, I think this is pretty much a must-win for you as well, or at least a huge clash of tier one juggernauts in the uh, Keeping Carlson family. Yes, uh, but I mean, what do you do with Barkov out? I mean, a, a bit of interest in Nola Chari, but obviously keep your eye on the Twitterverse tomorrow to see what's going on with Alex Barkov. Hopefully he's back in time for later this week. Uh, in happier news, over in Nashville, we had the very sudden return of Roman Yossi tonight. Totally unexpected. He was all of a sudden he was at practice skating with the team today. And then an hour before puck drop, they announced he's coming off the IR list. So Nice boost for that top power play in Nashville, and they instantly scored. Yeah, he's following in the proud tradition of Matthias Ekholm in coming back and having a big impact right away. Uh, we know Ekholm got two goals in his return. Obviously, the Nashville game will be finished by the time you hear this, so we'll know if Yossi put up any other points. But great to have him back, certainly. Uh, a big boon, I'm sure, um, both really for the offense and hopefully for the goalies as well in Nashville. Maybe he can help them get right as they have been trending a little bit more positively lately. And, of course, they've got these two matchups versus Detroit here this week. And so, Lewis, you mentioned Matthias Ekholm, who we've talked about as somebody, a defenseman who you could grab to to find some really nice value off the waiver wire. Do you think that the return of Yossi, therefore putting Ekholm back down to power play two, makes him droppable in most spots, or, or do you think he's still valuable? So he's interesting. You know, he was somewhat of a contributor here outside obviously much better once he was you know moving up in role and importance still someone who very much is on the potential you know trading block but i would imagine that wherever he ends up if he's going to a contender he's not going to step into a power play one role there either so yeah i think he definitely takes a hit i think you should be evaluating how much he really brings to you uh in your particular setting um, but, you know, watch the watch the ice time, check frozen tools after the game, see how he was deployed and then try to make a, an educated guess there, you know, as how to, it might move forward. But, yeah, I would certainly be casting a skeptical eye as we get into crunch time and people are really trying to find, you know, whatever they mine, whatever they can out of the waiver wire to stay ahead in their leagues. I think that Matias Ekholm, to me, in a bangers league, I think maintains value where he he shoots and blocks quite a bit or or has been since returning from the injury you mentioned before, you know, averaging almost three shots a game from a defenseman. That That's pretty good. So I'm I'm still holding on to him in the cupful and any league where his his shot rates, as long as they stay consistent, I, I think he's still a very good fantasy 
option. Uh, we will move forward in the show. We have so many injuries and outries to get to, and this one is probably the most predictable one uh, that we will cover, maybe in the history of short shifts. Auntie Ranta hurt once again. This actually, uh, this news story began, or, or my plan for our discussion began when there were reports yesterday that Darcy Kemper could be out longer than expected. So it kind of looked like, okay, Ranta's been good. 937 save percentage since taking over for Kemper after he got injured in the game on March 8th. Just one win, but did have three quality starts in that stretch, you know, followed by a tough outing versus Colorado last night and Monday. Um, but he definitely outdueled Aiden Hill, who you and I had discussed prior to the, uh, pri- or after the Kemper injury, rather, as a possible um, third option in Arizona who could outduel Ronta after he struggled earlier this season. Obviously, not what has happened so far. Aiden Hill not posted a quality start in any of his starts since the Kemper injury. The Yotes have the Avs again tonight. Hill will get another chance. And then there's a back-to-back with, with the Sharks later this week. So Hill might get two. He'll probably get two cracks. He might even get three if they're desperate. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think you would have to be pretty desperate to put Hill out against Colorado. Uh, you know, obviously, again, a game that will be done by the time you're listening to this episode. But, you know, very dangerous. Even for the best goalies, we saw what happened to the Minnesota goalies who have been, you know, such an unstoppable tandem when they went uh, against Colorado and gave up five and six goals, respectively. Um, you know, uh, I, he's given up three goals in three straight games. Like you said, not a quality start. I would be very skeptical of, you know, grabbing Arizona goalies, maybe streaming them in against, you know, teams like San Jose, like Anaheim, where the threat is not nearly as dangerous. But yeah, a couple games, you know, they've got these San Jose back to back sandwich between a couple Colorado games. I think those are very dangerous starts uh, for whoever the Arizona goalie is who's going in, especially when Aiden Hill has not impressed us the way he kind of had uh, over, you know, 20 or so games over the last couple seasons. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's a desperation play at this point. If you need a start, uh, keep an eye on on the schedule. Obviously, it's too late for you to get Aiden Hill in tonight for for that dangerous Colorado game that we talked about. But he might be an interesting play against San Jose later this week. So keep an eye on that. In Boston, we found out that they're still on the COVID hiatus. We haven't heard any uh, cancellations for later this week, but we did hear that Tuka Rask is expected to be back at practice on Wednesday. So if you're holding on to Yarrow Halak, you held on to him through their COVID pause here. He may be uh, he may be worth dropping to the waiver wire ahead of tomorrow's game. And one other injury I want to mention quickly was Bo Horvat, who went day-to-day ahead of Wednesday's matchup. He blocked a shot. Appeared to injure the foot. Could be JT Miller's time to shine as a, the 1C in Vancouver, though I, I am being sarcastic. I think it's kind of a bummer for everybody, except for JT Miller, who now gets to play with Besser. Uh, and then finally, Lewis, one more injury in Buffalo. Uh, Linus Allmark, back at practice. He's out for this week at least. He could be back next Monday. Can you trust a Sabres goalie at this point, given what we've seen from them uh, in Olmark's absence. So this one to me very much comes down to how your league scores. If you are looking at rates, if you're looking at goals against average, those are things that I might be quite worried about um, with him just because the Sabres, and especially wins, I should say, uh, the Sabres have been so punchless lately. Uh, you know, it's just obviously been a very bad situation, uh, especially once Eichel went out, seemed to be very demoralizing. 
you know, if you are in a league where you're going to get credit for saves or where you'll get, you know, kind of set up in a point setup, you know, the kind of thing where, say, Cam Talbot start last week where he gave up five goals, but it was on 55 shots. It was still worth a fair amount points wise. That's the kind of, you know, not that I think that the Sabres are going to give up 55 points but or 55 shots, but, you know, that Allmark, you know, is going to face probably uh, a decent number, but unfortunately a lot of them might be some pretty high quality scoring chances. So I'd be a little bit worried about, uh, you know, starting against some of the better teams in that league, which really are in that division, which really seems like everyone other than the Sabres. You know, I think he's interesting for volume. I do like him above Aiden Hill. I think that the Sabres are going to rely on him once he's back. So I hope he's back at 100%. Um, you know, that's the guy that I like uh, out of the two goalies that we've discussed so far. I would definitely prefer Olmark to Aiden Hill because Olmark has at least showed us something this season, whereas Hill has not been able to do so. Yeah, both desperation plays to me. N- neither guy that I'm running out to get and make sure that I get them in my lineup. Lewis, we got to take a break. You're listening to Short Shifts. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, why don't you start us off here on our on our streak segment? All right. Well, uh, on the Sunday show, you may have heard Brian and Elon sent up the bat signal with regards to Blake Wheeler, our opinion on him after Sunday's mega show. This is a guy who did score on Monday, so maybe the panic has subsided a little bit, but this is a guy with just three points in his last nine games. He's on pace for 69 points. This would be his first time below a 70-point pace in six years. We've seen his shot rate continue to decline ever since 2017. Uh, His 5v5 scoring rates have been dropping for years as well. Really, the only thing that's keeping him propped up right now uh, as a top-tier option is this very productive power play in Winnipeg. I think we're starting to see Father Time start to catch up with Blake Wheeler, who has really kept him at arm's length here. Now, 69 points obviously is a great pace, very strong. You know, not saying that this guy is washed yet, but I think we should be a little bit concerned with how, you know, long this, this slump has sort of extended. How are you feeling on Wheeler right now? What, what, what would you do with him at this point? I mean, the panic meter, I would say, is a round of five, not because I think that he's a drop, but because I, I just don't think that he's, you know, for a while there, he was kind of this guy that you could get at around the end of the second into the third round. And he would just be so productive, like 70 plus point seasons every year. And that was, you know, before scoring even skyrocketed in the past two or three seasons. So, I mean, I've loved Wheeler forever, but it's really tough to see those those shot rates drop and to see the points going down and not kind of come to the conclusion that we've we've passed peak Wheeler yeah. And, and the problem too is with those shot rates, you know, continuing to decline is when he's not scoring, he's not giving you a whole lot in, in other realms. You know, a, a guy who can give you some occasional hits, but, um, you know, not someone who is, is dripping with perifs for you when he's not putting points on the board. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, it's somebody who you're just, you're not going to be able to draft in the first top 50 probably moving forward. And just kind of a sad, sad story. It's sad to see 
these guys go out like this. And I mean, if you're in a cap league, you're probably pretty worried about getting Blake Wheeler uh, off your books moving forward because it's not that contract he signed recently uh, within the last couple seasons. Not looking like it's going to age particularly well. Uh, let's move on here to a hot streak in Carolina, where Alex Nedeljkovic has put up seven quality starts in his last eight games played, six wins in that span. He now has a 930 save percentage on the season, absolutely crushing it in a tandem with James Reimer since Petr Morazic went down. Uh, 19 save shutout on Monday night. They don't ask how. They ask how many, right? And so in this case, I think what that means is they don't care how many shots, just how many shutouts. And uh, that's the thing. He's not going to always have the best rate stats because of the fact that he's behind a team like Carolina, who's so good at limiting chances. But I mean, this is this is a player who has been phenomenal so far in his cup of coffee with the team. And the two goalies ahead of him have been pretty up or down. So you know, now that Morazic seems close to returning, I'm just curious, like, do you think that Alex Nedeljkovic keeps his role? Do you think he stays on as a 1A, 1B? Or do you think that they they have some sort of three-headed monster? Like, what comes next? It's so hard to read the coaches' minds in these situations where you run into, like, a crowded crease. I do think that you can't deny what Ned has been able to put together for Carolina in his stint here. And I wonder, too, if he maybe has kind of wally-pipped Reimer uh, to the point where, you know, he's kind of seized that that at least that second position as kind of a, a 1B-style guy. I have a hard time imagining that they're going to try to run with three goalies, but you know, I'm not super familiar with their, with their cap and contract situation. So I don't want to delve too much into that. What I will say is it is a little worrisome with Mrazic coming back. You know, I imagine that Carolina is going to give him a shot to reclaim his job here uh, when he returns, but a few shaky performances and, you know, with such limited opportunities to earn points in the league this year, uh, we might see Ned continue to get a run just as easily we could see him, you know, potentially get get shuffled off. So it's really tough to say. Uh, there are a lot of goalies who could, you know, maybe stop 19 shots if they needed to with Carolina shutting things down and giving them run support. Uh, so how much of it is his own personal performance? How much of it is, you know, what the team is kind of doing for him? I think those are, are valid questions here. I would be a little nervous uh, as if, if I was a Nadelkovic owner um, thinking about, you know, Mrazic's return, but I would be hopeful that maybe they would reward him for his effort and uh, maybe find some way to do something with Reimer. I get the feeling that pretty much anything is on the table in this situation where, like, I would guess that they probably would, contractually, they have nothing owed to Mrazic and Reimer after this year. So I, I don't think that, you know, we're we're looking at kind of an incumbent situation where they, they kind of have to pay homage to the the incumbent, I think that there's lots of room for Nedeljkovic. He's he's been marked as the the next guy for a while, and so I they definitely have re- reason to keep playing him. But at the same time, if they can't move out Reimer or Morazic uh, uh, through trade, it's going to be really tough to juggle those three. I could definitely see one of those goalies. Uh, first being shopped, uh, I'm talking about the the veterans, and then eventually potentially one of them being waived uh, to try and keep Nedeljkovic on the, on the uh, roster. But 
I think that this is something you're going to have to play day by day. If you're looking for really good rate stats, really good uh, wins, then I might sit on Nadelkovich if you have the, the roster space just to make sure you have first right. Yeah, if he can maybe be that third goalie for you who steps in on occasion to secure you some, you know, uh, secure you some some goalie stats or points, you know, that can be helpful. But yeah, I, I just worry about the frequency that we're going to see him. And like you said, anything's on the table. He could get a huge run and continue going with it, or he might, you know, get shuffled to the the back of the line with with the goalies returning to health. All right, Lewis, one final streak tonight. We have a cold streak in Vegas. Alex Tuck is now on line one with Pacioretty out. He didn't do anything last night despite a 5-1 win for Vegas. Tuck is now pointless in four, but he's getting line one power play two on a very good Knights team. Would you be holding on to Alex Tuck, or do you think he's more of a streamer uh, at this point? I think he's the kind of guy that I would be willing to stream out if I had something appealing coming and I felt squeezed in other spots. You know, Tuck has certainly shown some scoring acumen and he's been successful, but you said it right at the start. He's on this line one because he's replacing Max Patch already. He's not playing on line one with Patches. Uh, and I think that does make that position a little less appealing. It's not super appealing to me. I like Tuck, but I think he is just as likely to to score, you know, as as kind of any of your random streamers at this point, uh, especially with this low scoring slump that he's been going through the last few days. Lewis, that's all the time we have for tonight. Why don't you sign us out of here? All right. Well, thanks so much, everybody, for downloading and listening. We very much appreciate it. Uh, We hope that you enjoy listening to our show, our couple shows that appear between the Sunday mega shows from Brian and Elon. Please give us a follow at ShortShiftsKK. Follow Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson. Dave Benton of Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Please visit, enjoy, patronize the great sites we research our episodes with at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural Statric, and Cuckupful.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.